0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link
1: in the show description to support now. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast, where we discuss the well being of a Christian business owner and the different facets of growing a business, all from a Christian perspective. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Shewan Diemi. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Today, we're going to be talking about making God your CEO. How to get out of God's way so your business can thrive. And I'm here with Toyin Crindell. Now, just a little bit about her. Toyin is the CEO of Toyin Crindell Coaching. She's a best-selling author, high-performance success coach, and wealth coach and an international speaker. She specializes in helping people increase their income, live debt-free and build wealth while connecting on a deeper level to God, their family and the others they love. She also assists business owners and career professionals in ending the overworking cycle so they can leave a lasting legacy. She has helped clients pay off over a million dollars worth of debt and increase their network by seven figures as well. Using the principles she teaches, Tonya Crindell went from stuck in ten thousands of dollars in debt with no food to running her own business, a seven-figure company that is. So Tonya Crindell, thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much, Sean, for having me. I am excited and, and just looking forward to the conversation we're about to have.
1: Wow, that was a impressive that's an impressive bio by the way um, I Thank really you. want I want to hear all about it so tell us a little bit about your coaching program what you do and then we can jump into what you want to talk about today.
0: Yeah. Um, so, what we do is, I actually, like the bio said, you know, I started this journey really seriously uh, when me, myself and my family realized that we had run out of food. Um, that was kind of like my wake up call to the importance of finances and getting your financial story right. You know, I'm a believer, I've been in full time ministry for many years. And for many years, I just kind of had the mentality of like, God will provide, who cares? We have a lot of joy. Like, we're happy people you know Mm -hmm. so we're joyful we have peace we have love we have jesus what else do we need um and the day that you know my husband told me that he had eaten chocolates all week for dinner while giving me the last of our food because i was nursing our baby Mm -hmm. um that was really my wake-up call and moment where i said oh okay so on this planet earth at least Money does matter. Like we, I have mm-hmm. to look at m- money. I can't just ignore money and the concept of money. And so that kind of triggered the journey, like you said, like you mentioned, of us starting to get our money story right, and then helping other people get their money story right. And I think the thing that has excited me even more than going from no food to you know owning a multi-million dollar company in three years is seeing other people that we've helped now pay off over a million dollars worth of debt and scale their income like i I, i'm just like this is what it's all about is setting people financially free so that they can actually do the thing that god has put them on this planet to do without having that limitation of money
1: anymore that's amazing because i think that's also one of the reasons why i wanted to have this conversation with you because Mm. um most people that know me I'm i'm a believer as well i believe um that God owns it all. I believe in the the principles of stewardship. SA Capital stands for for stewardship and accountability.
0: Nice.
1: (laughs) Uh Most people don't don't know that. They just think it's the initials of my name. Yeah. What? That's good. Yeah. And,
0: and,
1: and, And one of the core principles for us as a firm is the idea of purpose. Right, yes, uh, which we're gonna, I'm gonna talk about another podcast, so I don't want to give that away yet. But the main, the main gist with that is we are called, just like you said, to a purpose, and the things that we are called to do, um, a lot of times there are financial implications to that, right? That's right, And, and with those financial implications, unless we get our money right, um we get stuck in the mud we get stuck just working and life is stressful and you go through all the things you talked about so let's dig let's dive into that and and see how as a business owner when we talk about making god your ceo right so your business can thrive so talk to me
0: So, I'll just give you guys some of the examples. What I want to do is, I'll share some examples from my company and just why this became a conversation for me in terms of making God our CEO and getting out of God's way so that our business can thrive. This impacted us on a couple of different layers that I think is going to be very helpful for your listeners. Um, The first layer was right out the gate. You know, we were running the company, and one of the things that I had really held back on was our success as a company mm-hmm. because of all the beliefs that I had over the years of doing ministry where I it was interesting because you talk a lot about you just talked about stewardship and I had this mentality of like as a christian it's better to be poor it's mm-hmm. better to struggle because when you struggle you trust god more you have to lean on him more it builds your faith um and then god challenged me and this is where him being the ceo of the company really triggered the process because he challenged me and he said to it i want you to write down on paper everything you believe about money that is not true that is not biblical okay i kind of was like um well, if I believe it, then I believe it's true. <laughs> so how am I going to know that this thing is not true and that's what I believe? And, but when he asked me the question, I asked him the question in return. And I said, okay, Jesus. What am I believing in about money right now that is not true, um, that is holding back what you're trying to do in my business? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote that down, and that really triggered this process of coming face-to-face with the mindsets that I believed about success and about wealth that were traditional that we're churchy, but we're not Jesus. We're not the Bible and not what the Bible has to say about money. So after going through that process of challenging myself, now the business starts to build some momentum and we start getting level different levels of success. And I remember being around a bunch of millionaire men, like multi multi-millionaire mentors. These guys own companies that are global, hundreds of millions. And um, one of them mentioned that God was his CEO. And, mm-hmm. and they were all believers. And, and all of them were like, oh, yeah, yeah, God's our CEO. And I was like, wait, hold up. How did I not hear about this? <laughs> what does this even mean? <laughs> and um, it was funny because I didn't really get an opportunity to get an answer from them on like, what what the what? What do you mean, mean like, by yeah. God is your CEO? Like, does he get a profit distribution? Like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And so I, when I heard it, because I didn't get all the answers, I got a couple of tips from them, but like for the most part, they were like just little tips. We implemented that. I heard it and I was like, God is our CEO. He owns 51% of our company. And for different people that I've communicated with, it shows up in different ways. So for example, some of them have a Jesus chair in their office where when there are tough decisions that need to be made, they'll go and they'll sit on the Jesus chair and just take that time to hear the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, we don't have a Jesus chair because I have one office chair. Um, <laughs> But it it shows up for us in specific ways So one of the ways for us is Decisions come through him So our culture is set by him Our decisions come through him So I'll start with the culture In our company We have a culture that is very much About honoring him Mm -hmm. And we don't run a Christian company In that we don't only serve Christian clients We have a lot of people who come to us Who are not believers But we are not uh, afraid of our faith and mm-hmm. being Christians in the marketplace. Right. And so what that looks like is, um, as a company, we have a prayer meeting where we pray for our clients every single week, you know, and uh, it's optional for all of our staff members. Not all our staff members are believers either. And it's funny because we'll have people who are not believers who love the prayer time, right? Because it, it's just this place where we're able to say, Abba, yes, we're experts at what we do. Yes, we see it. we day in, day out. But if without you, without your grace, none of this would be happening. And so it's a weekly reminder. And I find that even in our our company prayer meeting, um, if we're ever in a state of striving, if we're ever in a state of like, there's so much happening, you know, all these balls are moving at the same time. We all come to this prayer time and it's like Jesus just steps in the room and says, I got this. Everyone, everyone find your place. I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. Every single week, it's like taking a deep breath. And you know where the Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares cares for you. you. It's like As a company, everyone on our team gets to just come to this one meeting and cast our cares on him. Another thing that we do is we hire A players, A plus players only. And it doesn't seem like it's a God culture thing, but it really is. Because when you understand what I had to understand this is big for me <laughs> I had to understand that my company is not my friends
1: right. it's,
0: not thing. it's not my circle it's not you know how toyin feels and the people toyin likes the most it is God's business and so our hiring decisions are made out of that place of stewardship and accountability if God has given me a mission to to impact this many people who can get on the bus that'll help me get to that mission and not compromising because I feel one way or another. Right. Um, Another way that this has shown up is in as a CEO, um, having the hard conversations, like when God is the CEO of your company. So when I'm the CEO of my company, I'm a, I'm a uh, high eye on the disc profile. So if any of you guys have ever studied that, that means that I love people and I like it when people like me and I want to have conversations with people. I want everyone to be happy. And I could refrain from having the difficult conversations that need to be had because it just isn't in line with my personality.
1: Right. And so
0: when God is your CEO, it's like uh, you don't have a choice.
1: Yeah <laughs> you have to there, there is a there's a certain level of excellence. That's right. And so with that level of excellence, it means you have to, like you said. Take yourself out of the CEO seat, and what does God expect me to do? Do it in love and gentleness, but doing it nonetheless, right?
0: That's exactly right. And so it's like out of that place, no longer procrastinating, having those difficult conversations. And I found like my team loves that about our team culture is there's never any second guessing where anybody's at because if they're they know if there ever was a challenge, and we don't have many challenges because we have the right people. On the bus, Right. but if there ever was, they know Toy is going to have the conversation with me because this ain't Toy's thing. This is Jesus's thing, you
1: know. So tell me about this. You mentioned something. I want. I kind of want to go back to that. When you started this process, you mentioned something about what are the things I believe about money that yeah. are not true. <laughs> so I, I wanted to pick up on that a little bit. So what are some of the things we believe? Oh, d- do you have a list? What are some of those things that the hinder our mindset and our thought processes that you've hmm. discovered?
0: Hmm. There's in our, that's literally the entire uh, foundation of our process because in helping people pay off over a million dollars worth of debt, the first thing we do is help them discover why they've been building that normalcy around struggle and debt and all of that. And it's usually because of our beliefs. So I'm a neuroscience coach. And yes, there we have a list of over 119 specific beliefs that hold people back. But I'll tell you a couple of them, especially for anyone that's a listener, that's a believer. Um, these are some of the beliefs that we have as Christians that actually hold us back from, achieving the level of impact and success that ABBA calls us to when he's called you to the marketplace. It's very different if he's called you to other spheres of society. But if you're called to run a business and you're called to the marketplace, he's not calling you there to suffer. He's calling you there to actually get some work done. And so what are some of the beliefs that And some of these I had? One of them, a big one was um, it, it is more holy to be poor. And we don't often think of that like right on the top of our minds. I I never had that thought of it is more holy to be poor. But if you notice that you make excuses for succeeding, so for example, let's say you get a, a really nice car or a really nice pair of shoes. I remember when my circle started to change, I, I got really nice boots, and a woman complimented me and said, Toyin, I really like your boots. And I said to her, oh, thanks so much. They were $5 from our Benz. And she looked at me, <laughs> and she was just like, okay. confused, really confused. She was like, one, why are you wearing $5 boots? Because this woman was like ultra wealthy. Two, Why did you tell me you're wearing $5 boots? And I remember this was the season where God was showing me just how deeply I had these types of beliefs. And what he said to me in that moment was, I had lived in a culture where anytime we had something nice, you had to explain it away.
1: You had to almost make an excuse for it that yes. that almost tries to justify it. And I and I, I kind of yes. I, I I can pick up on that because so there's this, it's it's not said, it's not spoken, but there's this piety. Yes, that, precisely like this false piety that we have that if I'm rich, that it's somehow less deserving or less holy because i i funny enough i remember i remember my small group uh one of one of my guys said something along the lines that um there's this guy i I don't want to give to anybody who's making a half a million dollars a year like i'd rather give to some poor guy and 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 i asked him a question and why not well because he makes half a million dollars a year um he doesn't need my money and he almost started to talk down at the guy. And I said, "Yes." and yes. he drives a nice car. And I said, but what's wrong with that, right? Exactly. God has called him and given him the wealth. And the person also happens to be a very strong believer. And God has called him to that space. And he is, and, and out of the money he's making, so what if he drives a nice car? You have absolutely no idea how Where much he's giving. What he's given and so when we start making this false notions that um somebody is less worthy or someone is less holy because of the money to make um that's one of the wrong beliefs Um,
0: exactly and just to add to that to add to that i remember i i I really believed that right i thought that and because i believed that i didn't want to get farther from god right Mm -hmm. so Jesus is my highest priority in life. And so I became afraid of putting a certain level of wealth because in my brain, if I got to a certain level, I would fall into the love of money. And Mm -hmm. the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so I was like, so afraid of the love of money that I became afraid of money and therefore (laughs) non-successful. You can't run a business and be afraid of money. And I, I really was. Um, And so what I found was when I met these believers who were running companies that were hundreds of millions of dollars, um, and they loved Jesus, like they were passionate, they would pray in their board meetings, like I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, it's possible to really be for him, like these guys give on a level that people can only imagine like to be able to impact the kingdom. And it's funny because now that we are, we're running this multimillion dollar company. I know I'm like, Oh my gosh, we get to give like we've never given before. And to what you said, to the point you made, I remember talking to a client where she, she did the exact same thing. You know, she was like, I just don't like that. That guy spent, I think this dude had spent like, I don't know, a couple million dollars on his front lawn or something like that. And so she was like, I would, like, what a waste of money and da-da-da. And I was like, you don't know how much money he has given, like, relative to what he's spending on his front lawn. So I gave her this homework assignment, and I told her, for this specific person, go do some research on his philanthropy and just try to see what he's given. And she found that this dude had given, like, hundreds of millions of dollars to philanthropy over the years and it was almost like the lesson coming out of it because the bible says that when you give don't sound the trumpet
1: that's right so
0: i as as we've grown and as we started to give even more i realized i was like wow wait so jesus has set this up so that even when you become successful you don't begin to blow a trumpet ahead of you about the giving that you're doing. So other people can watch your life and make assumptions that, oh, you're just in it for yourself and you're just this and you're just that, but he sees what we're really doing. And yes, are there people who do the worst things with money you can imagine? Absolutely. Right. But the point is that money is simply a tool. And good people will use money to do really, really good things on the planet. And people who wouldn't do good things with it, if they get access to it, they still want it. Like, if they have it, they don't have it, they still won't do good with it. You know? That's right. It doesn't change the person.
1: <laughs> I always say this money is a tool, a test, and a testimony. Precisely. It's a, it's a tool that God can use in the right hands to further the kingdom of God and even to further some initiatives on this yes. earth. Like, yes. most people don't realize when we, even the Bible that we read today, Right, Right? the Bible that we read today was translated by Tyndall way back in I think maybe the 1900s. But behind him, there are gospel patrons, and gospel patrons are businesses that support some of the causes or some of the things that we use today. So, even looking at the Bible, the fact that we can read the Bible in the English language, somebody had to do that, and for somebody to do that somebody had to financially support Tyndall and all these other people that did these things. And so sometimes, just like you said, because we have this subconscious beliefs that um, money's somewhat of a such a it's such a bad thing oh why is he driving a, I mean I, I listen to Dave Ramsey and sometimes I, I I hear some of the calls that people make oh why is he spending a, a million dollars on a car or half a million dollars on a car that's so useless um, that's so bad all that money can be going to what 's helping people but you don't you may not know that some of these people are also given millions away, and the $500,000 car they're buying its probably maybe 1% of, of what they make. And, and, and so I could say to you that you are spending $20,000 on a car, let's say, if, if mm-hmm. we look at it, if we look at it ratio-wise, you're spending $20,000 on a car and uh, on your $150,000 income, that is 1% or let's just say of 0.5% of your income. So how, di- what, how different are thing. you? It's the same thing. Right? And then,
0: and then, just to add to what you just said, if your income, let's say your income is seventy k, and you're spending twenty k on a car, now the percentage that you, so it looks normal to everyone around you. Everyone around you is like, "Oh, great, you have a twenty thousand dollar car." But the percentage that you've just invested, not invested, because a car is not an investment, y'all. That's right. The percentage that you just put into that car is so much higher than the percentage that other person has put into their car, and so the percentage you're able to give is less because the car has taken your given money that's right it's not to compare yourself but it's to say if you believe this is what's important if you believe this if there's something inside of you that kind of goes like "Eh," when you see people who are really successful you have automatically blocked yourself from getting that successful because there's no way your subconscious mind is gonna allow you to be judged in the way that you're judging other people.
1: That's right. And so you you subconsciously self-sabotage some of your own efforts, right? Because it, it's almost like a roadblock because you're, you're making and um, passing these judgments on people based on what you believe, and so you want to keep in line with your belief.
0: Exactly. And
1: so you self-sabotage subconsciously, and so you never really break that roof or break that ceiling or break that holdback that is stopping you from being successful.
0: And so, what people will see happen is, let's say you run a company. Every day you show up, you do the same thing. And this happened to me. This was my clue that there was a problem that was deeper than strategy, because strategy is anybody can Google strategy. But what will happen is, we I ran the company, and in one month we earned seven thousand dollars. I remember the first month we earned seven thousand. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is the life. Oh my goodness, this was like coming out of not having food for the family. I'm like. Oh, if on. The next month, we had zero dollars. The month after, zero dollars. The month after, zero dollars. Literally, and I did the same amount of work. And then after the 7000 was fully finished, and we were back in struggle land, I had another $7,000 month. And then zero, zero, zero until we got back into a place of needing to send an email to friends and family asking for help on our bills. And that's when I said, ah, something is wrong. There's Mm a problem here. Because how is it that I'm doing the same thing and when I have more than enough, it doesn't work? But when I go back to struggle, then I see fruits. And that's what people need to start to notice. Notice the patterns in your finances where for a lot of people, they can save. They save, save, save. They hit a certain amount, all the savings is gone. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they start all over again. Like there's all these patterns that usually are a signal to you when you have a subconscious belief that money is not safe. Like for some people, they'll do the same amount of work as everyone else in their field, but they are always paid less than everyone else. And they may excuse it and they may say, oh, it's because of this and it's because of this and it's because of this. But the truth is usually there's people with the same condition that you have who are earning more as well, you just aren't. And often it's because of this block in our subconscious of receiving wealth beyond the level that we're comfortable with.
1: I completely agree with you on that because um, I remember when I started my business too, and um, as a financial planner, I, I came from an industry where there are a lot of sales driven. it's, it's my, my industry is sales driven. It's all about selling insurance and they call themselves planners or advisors. And then I wanted to move into the space where I wanted to become a FIFA service planner. Mm-hmm. And then I was looking at setting up my, um, my grid or how I'm going to charge client. And initially, when I, look, when I look at how much I started charging people, now it's, it's laughable. <laughs> but, 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 <laughs> but I think my point there really is, initially my thought was like, nobody's going to pay that amount of money. And then the more I began to talk to those in the network, those in the sphere of influence that I wanted to operate in, the more I began to realize that I am limiting myself by my exposure. Your own. yeah, By my own exposure. And so I began to drive my fees higher. I lost a few clients, but I realized, you know what? Those are not even the clients I want to work with anyways. Yep. And so- yep. Slowly, I started driving up my prices, increasing my prices, but the more I increased my prices, the more I realized there are people out there who are willing to pay, who are pay looking or still that. looking for the services that I offer and the knowledge and expertise that I bring. And so the point is, though, is... I definitely agree with sometimes we limit our beliefs, we limit, because subconsciously we feel like either we don't deserve it, or if we get too rich, we're somehow going to become sinful people, or um, we limit ourselves to what we are used to and our friends and families and our circle. Yes. But there are people who are outside our friends and family who need our services, the world is dying to get what we offer and who are in a position to pay whatever we demand. And exactly. so going back to your thought there where you said um, there are people who are in the exact same situation as you, in the exact same place as you, and they can make the same excuses, but are making more way more money.
0: Yes. It's because...
1: <laughs> You only get what you demand and you only get what you believe you can receive. That's
0: right. Right, and if you feel guilty about having that amount of money, you're so some people because some people will hear stuff like this and they're like, okay, cool, I'm gonna drive up my prices, and then they drive up their prices, but nobody pays them, and then they go, well, see, I told you, it doesn't work. But the problem isn't whether or not you drive up your prices. the The problem is you may not believe that you are being congruent in doing it. So you can force yourself to be like, rah rah, I'm gonna do it too, but. Mm -hmm. If, if you don't, if you feel guilty about that, or if you don't see the value that you have to bring to the table that, that demands that sort of pricing, you end up cheating yourself anyway. And then most of those people will say, it doesn't work. Go back to their original pricing because they've proved their own point, right?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They self-sabotaged. The
0: they self-sabotage, except now it begins to affect you and your family and those people, like the people who are gonna are are doing it, are still doing it with or without you.
1: That's right. So, not to belabor this point, let's. What other um, belief? Yeah, okay, I
0: got one more. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be a funny one. God loves me, so it has to work out. Thanks for listening
1: to part one. Tune in next week for part two. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Wealth Pod. You can get in touch with us by sending an email to podcast at truewealthpodcast.ca or by visiting truewealthpodcast.ca.